is Let's Parent on Purpose. It's your parenting podcast if you want to thrive and not just survive these parenting years. Hey, my name is Jay Holland, and I'll be bringing with me about 20 years of youth pastoring, parenting, foster parenting, and sharing some tips and tricks and mistakes that hopefully will help us all get better as we walk along this path. Hey, moms and dads, hope you're having a fantastic day. Uh, This is a special podcast. This is the 40th podcast of Let's Parent on Purpose, and I'm 40, so 40 is a really special year now. Uh, That means I've managed to put out one podcast for every year of my life, and anything above this is going to be a bonus, right? Uh, So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to spend the 40th podcast talking about a subject that might convince you to stop listening to so many podcasts. Um, I hope that's not the goal. At least maybe you can throw out all of your important podcasts by famous people who make money doing it, and you can keep listening to this one. Maybe not. Either way. Uh, I would I would ask you, if this has been a blessing to you and it's been helpful, then you can, you can uh, help me out by sharing it with others. Uh, how does that help me out? Uh, I don't know. Actually, that's not true. I do know. So basically what I'm doing is I'm going to do these podcasts as well as the Let's Parent on Purpose blog through the end of this year. And then I'm going to reevaluate and make a decision on whether it's worth continuing to do both or whether I should focus on one or the other. So basically, if if it's a help to you and you think it would be a help to others, the, the more you share that, the more it helps me evaluate. Uh, it's kind of hard to analyze how many people are actually listening to podcasts if you care about those kind of details. Um, basically, all you can do is there's there's like one website that I can go and track, uh, not through iTunes, but just this kind of general number of downloads, which doesn't tell you how many people actually listen to it. Um, certainly doesn't tell you how many people liked it. So if I get actual verbal feedback sometimes, it helps me to narrow down what's helpful, what's not. Um, if, if there's any annoying tendencies in the podcast that you can help me with, my wife is good at telling me that I say um quite a bit, so I try to work on that. And so any, any kind of feedback you can give, any kind of sharing, it just helps it gets better, helps it get better, or helps me to figure out that I could do something else with my time that might be, actually be more helpful to parents. So with all that said, I want to get into today's topic, which is, uh, if you looked at the title of the podcast, Technology Slaves. So let's be honest. Are you, do you feel like you're in control of the technology in your home, or do you feel like it controls you? I remember, I can't remember where I was, but I remember reading somewhere or hearing somebody talk about how, you know, the the advent of the washing machine, for instance, the washing machine makes washing clothes so much easier, but that the average mom today spends more time doing laundry than most women ever have in history because, you know, since you can do more laundry, that you buy more clothes, you wear them, and you change them more often. Man, I live in South Florida, so for half of the year, I feel like I go through four or five T-shirts a day, and that's not in a heavy activity day. And maybe that's embarrassing, or maybe it's just because I'm sweaty. I don't know, but I, I do know that the washing machine is a great example. We we have a piece of technology that should save time and labor. But it actually adds a lot of time and labor. Same thing with a vacuum cleaner. Same thing with all these. I, I have I've heard that the time spent on household chores has actually radically increased for people because you just have more stuff and more stuff to maintain and you get these new time-saving devices which enslave you a little more. But but specifically today, I, I'm not advocating you get rid of your washing machine or uh, your 
your hot water tank or your showers or anything like that. I'm not advocating you get rid of anything. Uh, what I want to do is I want to spend a little bit of focus on a book that I spent the last couple of months working through. Uh, it's by a guy named Andy Crouch, and it's called The Tech Wise Family. So this was a great book. It was great because it was it was totally different than what I was expecting. I was actually kind of expecting to to prep for a parent summit and uh, get some warnings on uh, beware of this app, beware of this website. These are the latest trends going on with kids and technology, and and it really wasn't any of that at all. Um, it ended up being a much more convicting book about my parenting and the place of technology in my family. So also it's short. So if, if you don't like long books, it's short. Um, and the chapters are, uh, I don't know, there might be 14, 15 chapters and they're two minute, three minute reads. And it's really one of those you can read. It's, it's best to actually read a chapter, put it down, really think through it a couple days from then pick up another chapter and read it. So uh, it's called The TechWise Family by Andy Crouch. If you go to letsparentonpurpose.com, I have kind of a, a, a written summary of what I'm talking about today, including a link to The TechWise Family. Buy it on Amazon for 10 bucks. Um, so again, I highly recommend this book. I'm going to give you a short overview of, of what I got as the main points out of it and then encourage you to dig in more because uh, some of these are pretty heavy concepts, so you're not going to get them just because I say them one time. But So his kind of starting point was the fact that the primary place to develop wisdom and courage in this world is your family. Or at least it should be your family. You know, you you spend so much time together that there's there should be lots of time to develop wisdom for this world and courage. You know, you you do tasks together. You have you, you spend time around each other, so you have conflict with each other, and you have to have the courage to work through those conflicts. You have to stick with one another. You have sicknesses. You have hard trials that go on that you have to walk through together. And so the family is the primary place to develop wisdom and courage, and in reality, technology doesn't really help us do that. Uh, as a matter of fact, especially mobile devices, the the easy everywhere, always internet world that we live in doesn't help us with wisdom. Uh, as a matter of fact, probably helps us to get into a ton of foolish behavior. And even on the knowledge side, that you know, you can use it to learn things, but a lot of times it seems like it makes us dumber. Like for instance, I cannot memorize a phone number anymore. I still have my childhood best friend's phone numbers memorized, and I I have a hard time memorizing my daughter's phone number now. So I, I feel like it's kind of made me dumber in that way. Um, and, and as far as courage, technology does not help you develop courage. Actual life on life does. Uh, so the first thing is that. Um, you need to be aware because the technology in your home might actually be fighting against your aim to develop character, uh, wisdom, and courage in your family. And then, then another one of his main points was that the model of life given in the Bible for humanity is work, rest. You know, work six days a week, rest one day a week. Then further, the you know the they. It was an agrarian society and a shepherding society, so they would work, and then there would be a time where you wait for the harvest to come, and the harvest would come, and then they would have feasts. You know, Israel, the, the life of Israel was punctuated with all of these feasts where 
it wasn't just a, a day celebration, but for a week or two weeks at a time sometimes, they would rest from their labors and feast and celebrate. Whereas in our culture, the, the model of life is much more like um, toil, leisure. So instead of work, rest, you have toil, leisure. You think about it. Computers and Internet and phone in some ways have done a great, a great thing because they have taken it to where you're not chained to your office. You're not stuck in that one spot in your work environment. You can kind of go and work everywhere. But the downside of that is your work chases you everywhere, doesn't it? I mean, you you can get a call from your your boss or your employees or your customers at any time. It's really hard to get away from it, you know, unless you would turn off your phone and your then your anxiety level goes through the roof because what if something happens in the next three seconds? Um, so on, on the work side, and also because robots are really good at doing work, a lot of the work that we did do that, you know, you do something and you see a result and there's some tangible satisfaction from it, those are gone. And, and a lot of our jobs now are much more like toil than they are work as work has been done in the past. And so there's sometimes not the satisfaction of getting to complete parts of the job because the job never ends. I, I can tell you that as far as ministry, it feels like that perpetually. You know, church camp is super highlight of the year, except what happens at church camp? All these kids make decisions. You develop great, great relationships with more kids, and you have way more people to try to follow up on afterwards. So even these highlight times just feel like they, 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 you know, give you more toil. And on the other side, technology has um, afforded us so many opportunities for leisure, but our leisure activities are often kind of mind-numbing entertainment instead of restorative rest. Uh, Angry Birds, uh, Bejeweled, Candy Crush, Clash of Clans, whatever that, you know, the, the thing you pick up on your phone to pass a little bit of time, it's not restoring your soul. It might distract you from the problems of the day, but it's not giving you rest. And at the same time, what happens on, on family days where we have nothing to do? Everybody just buries their head in a device and, and it's not restorative. Um, so, you know, technology has maybe saved us some work, but it's made the work chase us. And at the same time, um, we don't have the soul restoring rest that we used to because we feel anxious to pack it with leisure. We see on social media all the stuff that all of our friends are doing, and we feel like we have to do the same thing because we don't even judge ourselves by one friend. We judge ourselves by the composite of what all of our friends are doing. And then we feel anxiety because we're working so hard, but then we're not going to Disney every weekend like some of our friends seem to be. Um, so just technology is, is killing us on that. So what Andy Crouch did is to help his family try to flourish as human beings rather than units of productivity or mind-numbing monkeys to be entertained, they developed 10 tech-wise commandments for their family. And I'm going to share these with you. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail on them today. Um, I'll, I'll play some of these out in the future in standalone podcasts or blogs. But I want to give them all to you. I want you to think about them. I want to really encourage you to pick up this book, The TechWise Family. Pick up the book and read it and then put the book down. Um, the TechWise Family, get the book. 
I, I wish that today's program was sponsored and I was making a commission off the TechWise family, but I'm not. I just think it's a great book for you to read and get challenged, and you're not going to agree with everything. You're certainly not going to do everything. But if you pick up one or two of these commandments, it might make a massive difference in your family. So so here they are, the 10 TechWise commandments for their family. Uh, commandment number one, we develop wisdom and courage together as a family. It's kind of funny. That's that's a commandment. But it, it I think it just plays out for them the purpose of their family, or at least one of the purposes. We develop wisdom and courage together as a family. Commandment number two, we want to create more than we consume so we fill the center of our home with things that reward skill and active engagement. So let me say that again. He said, we want to create more than we consume. So we fill the center of our home with things that reward skill and active engagement. So in, in their context, they live somewhere other than Florida where you actually have basements. So like their living room, the center of their house, it has a piano. It has like a craft table. It has activity stuff for creating uh, lots of musical instruments. Their TV is actually in the basement. So if you want to watch TV, you kind of have to go out of your way to do that. Um, Their center family space is for creativity together. Um, Number three, we design, we are designed for rhythm of work and rest. So one hour a day, one day a week, one week a year, we turn off our devices and we worship, feast, play, and rest together. And I really like that one. Um, so for them, it's dinner time. You know, come dinner time for that hour surrounding dinner time, everybody turns off their phone and they're together at dinner. And I love that. And that's one of those that we have have incorporated in our house. And it's just been wonderful to not be distracted by people that are not at the table that really are not as important to me as the ones that are actually at the table. So they do that for one hour a day. They try to do it for one day a week, uh, and then for one week a year, they try a vacation where, for the most part, they don't take their screens and devices. They might take one to help them navigate or to look up recipes or something like that. Um, and oh, by the way, another thing I liked about this book is he was honest about the fact that they fall short of these all the time, which is kind of what people do with commandments. All right, number four, we wake up before our devices do, and they go to bed before we do. So... Try to give yourself some space at the beginning of the day to not launch into your phone, to your text, to your emails, to um, whatever the news is trying to stir up your anxiety with. Give yourself 30 minutes. Give yourself an hour to begin the day. And then uh, don't go to bed with the phone in your hand. They have like a center place in their house where all of their phones and devices go to be charged. Um, And then they just use an actual alarm clock to get up. Um, I've started doing that, although... Even as I record this, I got out of the habit recently, but I was for like a whole week just using my alarm clock and not having my phone by my bed, and it was actually really nice. It turned out that I did that most of my life, and it worked out pretty well. Um, What am I on? Number five? Yeah, number five. Uh, We aim for no screens before double digits in our home. So no screens before double digits in our home. So in in their case, I think that actually meant they didn't bother to get a TV until their youngest kid turned 10 years old. Certainly not phones and mobile devices before that time. Number six, we use screens for a purpose and we use them together rather than using them aimlessly and alone. So this book is like the, the, um, the number one enemy of Netflix and, uh, 
Angry Birds, I guess. Uh, number seven, car time is conversation time. I love that one. Car time is conversation time. So that's not one that uh, that uh, people. It's just a shame. Like I've I've found that to be true. Some of the best conversation time with my kids and with my wife is in the car. But if you're cranking up the music, you're letting everybody bury themselves in their devices. You miss out on it. So car time is conversation time. If you don't pick up any of these others, that's a great one. Number eight. Spouses have one another's passwords, and parents have total access to children's devices. And uh, that's one that I think could be a whole um, podcast on its own. Spouses can have spouses having one another's passwords. I can't see any moral, ethical reason why you would not have that one to be the case. What do you need to keep secret from your spouse that you need them password protected? Uh, and then as far as the kids go, you know, some of the kids will say, well, you're invading my privacy. And it's like, no, you still have your privacy, just not on your digital device. Um, in my in my house, one of the ways that I've done that is uh, my daughter has a phone, but I have the password to install anything on it. So she doesn't have the password to install apps on her phone, which means even if it's a benign app, she has to come through me. I get to make a decision on whether to do it or not. And because we started that way, there was never any heavy protest to it. Um, but I would even go back to that way if if I hadn't. Like I would start that now if the kid's in my house. Um, when they buy their own phone, when they're paying their own cell phone bill, then they get more control. Number nine, we learn to sing together rather than letting recorded and amplified music take over our lives and worship. So um, they just kind of value music and the human voice in their home. Uh, number 10, we show up in person for the big events of life. We learn how to be human by f- being fully present at moments of our greatest vulnerability. And we hope to die in one another's arms. So I like that one. A practical way, they make sure they go to funerals. They make sure they go to... Um, weddings, they like, they pack up, they travel, they go to the friends and family in their life that are having big events. They aim to be there in person for them um, because those are the memorable times. That's when true memories and relationships happen. Actually, they happen all the time, but I like that one. So, okay, that's the 10 tech-wise. I'm not going to go over them again. If you really want to hear them again, go to letsparentonpurpose.com and look up the blog Technology Slaves, and you can see them. But even more than that, go get this book. Pick up this book, The TechWise Family. It's Again, it's a good read, um, good one to read with your spouse. I recommend it, and I would love hearing from you. Which of these is most intriguing to you? Uh, which ones do you think are total nonsense? And uh, what do you do to help fight the continuing creep of technology in your family's life? All right, that's it for today. Hey, just remember, I read a bunch of bad parenting books so that you can hopefully focus on the good ones. This has been Let's Parent on Purpose. It's a ministry of Covenant Fellowship Baptist Church in Stewart, Florida. You can check us out at covenantfellowship.com or even better, come visit us and worship with us on a Sunday morning in Stewart, 930 and 11 a.m. You can check out more about uh, Let's Parent on Purpose at our blog, letsparentonpurpose.com. Give me feedback, comments, and let me know what you'd like to hear. This has been Jay Holland. Thanking you so much for joining us today, reminding you this is a marathon and not a sprint. Don't give up. We'll talk to you soon. Have a great day.